Hello and welcome to an episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma. So we have an old returning friend over here. How are you? Hello. I'm great. Thank you very much. And then we have your partner in crime, mm -hmm. Maria. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, the design. Sorry, this is called uh, Design Meets Functionality. The Walt Modal Sheet Story. I went through your, your Google presentation. It's quite mm -hmm. interesting. And how did you guys manage to have animation within Google Sheets or Google uh, presentation? What I think it? I just used uh, Marsha's skills. She uh, provided me uh, GIFs, GIFs. I think she used Adobe After Effects, right, Marsha? Yeah, we placed GIFs there, and uh, that's how we use animations. Ah, I see. Maybe we can get kind of talking about the, the sheet, right? So when I say mm -hmm. in the sheet, this is called the Walt, Walt Modal Sheet. Mm -hmm. It kind of is a big yes, mouthful. Why, why don't we kind of back up a little bit? What is Walt exactly? Walt is the name of the company both of you work at, right? We are the service that provides to deliver everything, uh, you know, to your pocket, in your pocket. Should I, you had it better. I had it better. Yeah, I, I presented several times. So uh, it's a delivery for everything. So uh, using the Walt Mobile app, you can order from restaurants, from retail stores, from flower stores. So it's expanding. You can even order Christmas tree. Yeah. Christmas tree. Yeah, you can also even order Christmas tree. Yeah. Like all times of the year or just only around Christmas time? I mean, depends on the uh, retails that provides this. Stores. I think it's really also has like a delivery component to it, right? So very much like a, it, there's a delivery component to it, right? We have outside people delivering things. Yes. So it has right? uh, courier partners. Mm -hmm, courier partners. So usually people outside Europe doesn't know it, but it is active in 25 countries, uh, mm -hmm. many European countries and uh, Israel, Japan. Uh, Azerbaijan, Georgia, Kazakhstan, yeah, and many, many more uh, European countries. And how long has this been been going on for? I mean, how long has this company been around for? 2015, I guess. It was a startup in Helsinki. Now, when the company first started, were, were you guys uh, using Flutter from the beginning? I mean, I think you just started this position recently, right? When Volt was only working with restaurants, we had uh, native iOS and Android apps, and then native iOS tablet app for restaurants, and also a React Native app for couriers. And then when Vault expanded to retail, we started a new app because uh, retail and merchants have totally different needs. And we had to provide something for retail uh, people working in the retail stores. So we provided a mobile app that is used for picking and packing the orders uh, picking from the shelves and making it ready for courier partners. So this app started from scratch using Flutter. It was experimental. Uh, it worked pretty well. And um, then, uh, well, Vault expanded to many countries. So there was this need for making the apps that restaurants use available for also Android. So earlier, when Vault was smaller uh, in, in less countries, it was working very fine. Restaurants, they were eager to buy uh, iPad tablets. And then when company expanded to many other countries, 
it costs more to order to buy an iPad just to accept orders. So it is like uh, buying a Porsche and just going to stores, retail stores to get something. There is no need to pay so much money just to accept orders. That's why we also now have an option to uh, use Android devices for our restaurant owners. And uh, this new app uh, actually now is for both meant for retail and restaurants. For a company that has that's doing this kind of delivery work, I feel like you guys have a lot of uh, I don't know motion designers and really art art kind of people, and it's something I don't really imagine when I think about uh, products being delivered. So I'm going to also try another feature since we're being dangerous today. Uh, okay. We have somebody in our crowd. I don't know if you can see that or not. Can you see that? Yeah, Daria. I can see Daria. Yeah, she's apparently eating sushi that was delivered oh, by yeah. Yeah, Daria, you you had Daria as guest, right? Remember? Yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's interesting that you know that the about about the sushi, right? So it's not just retail items; it's also food. It started with food, then it uh, expanded to retail. So what's the bigger business then? Is it is it food or retail, or is it kind of a little bit of a mix of both? I think food food is still bigger, right, Masha? I think uh, food is still bigger, yes, uh, but we are planning to be everything. So we have quite ambitious plans to deliver everything. So not not to stick to to the food only. What's one of the strangest things that Wolf delivers? I think Christmas tree was one of those. And uh, what else? We have Masha? some sex toys yeah. delivered also. Yeah, sex no, toys included. Yeah, some adult, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm always curious about how you would deliver something like that because I, I do see sometimes they put like I don't know do an open or, or be fragile or something like that uh, I'm guessing yeah, it must be in some discreet package on a box well, yeah obviously in a box right but <laughs> I'm curious how, how yeah it is discreet how, how yes. clear is it it's, it's discreet right yeah I think privacy is the most important thing yes. that the company is focusing on okay that's good yeah, this reminds me in school, like we used to write crazy things on packages and send them to people and watch them get embarrassed when they go pick it up in front of everybody else at the college campus. <laughs> but um, kind of coming all back to, to this, though. Like I said, Walt, I, I mean, th this kind of delivery company, of course, it's not a new idea to be delivering uh items right mostly food but you know items to to people and these are all outside contractors right so they're all just freelance workers it depends on the country for example with germany uh we have we have contracted workers with germany and uh, in other countries it is uh for uh you know this uh system that you said like people can become a independent entrepreneur as a they can have their own company and then do this. So they, so they could be actual full-time workers. Yeah. Now the, the app that, I mean, they must have their own app, right? So is it two different apps within the same store? Uh, well, it's one app. So we had two different apps. The first one was a native iOS tablet app, native only iOS. And then we deprecated this app, Sunset. Now we have one app 
that is serving to both retails and restaurants. So we uh, edit the missing features. There is not one Flutter app that does its jobs very well. And then uh, our courier partners, they're using a courier partner app. Uh, so it's a, it's a different, different product that they are using to deliver. Um, so we have a consumer app, we have merchant app, we have courier app. Uh, you know, when people think of Walt, they think only consumer app, but we actually variety, we have a variety of different products that we are um, working and developing under one roof. So there is a separate app for the courier. Yes, and it's React Native. Yes. Ooh, how do you, how do you <laughs> a company that have Flutter and really in the Flutter also dare to have a React Native app? Side That's side. a very good question because Vault has its past before Flutter was very common. And well, we needed something uh, cross-platform that works. And uh, at the time it worked with React Native. And uh, then in 2020, we started experimenting with Flutter and it was success. So now we are considering to uh, see what we are going to do with React Native. Most probably we are going to uh, deprecate it, but uh, it can be native or Flutter. We will see. How has it been working with Flutter? Is, is the company leaning towards going more Flutter or is it still an evaluation stage? Uh, I, can, I can say it this way that we started this project with two people. Now it is uh, nine developers and we are hiring. Yeah. Wow, so it's expanding. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Just on, only on Flutter, right? The, the nine people. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, we actually uh, got the uh, iOS developers from the app that we deprecated and they started learning Flutter. So it's both now uh, iOS native app developers and then Flutter developers like me. Well, I have a native Android background as well. Okay. Now, I, I do have a question. Let's kind of go back to the main topic, right? You wanted to talk yeah. all about <laughs> Walt Model Sheet. I mean, yeah. I So I do remember that Flutter has some type of sheet. It's called a bottom sheet, right? It's not a modal sheet. So you're taking a modal and combining it with the bottom sheet and you made a Walt modal sheet. Now, where did the idea come from? Uh, I think we can start with what is modal, what, I, what we mean by modal. Because a model is uh, something that prevents uh, interaction with, with the thing behind it. So when we consider about model roots, uh, model roots is preventing the interaction between the root behind it. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure if you are familiar with the root concept of Flutter, but uh, it, it is really based on abstraction and um, there is root, which is the very, very abstract class. And then there is overlay root, which is an abstraction uh, for uh, navigators overlay. And then there is transition root and then model root. And then the, these are all uh, abstract, but then there is page root and pop-up root. So page root replaces entire screen and pop-up root is overlaying over the current root, but still uh, preventing the interaction. And why we didn't want to go with Walt model uh, bottom sheet? Actually, this it started with bottom sheet, and then uh, okay, uh, I can give this more information because as I said, this Flutter app started for retails, and for retails we needed only a mobile phone. It's small phone, right? You just need to use it to pick the orders and prepare it. But restaurants is usually in kiosk mode, 
it's, it needs a bigger screen to accept and manage orders. So when we needed to support larger screens for the Flutter app, we needed to uh, find a solution for bottom sheets because using bottom sheets for white screens is a problem. Then uh, we came up with this uh, UI component. Uh, it becomes a dialogue in large screen and a bottom sheet in smaller screen. So that's why we don't want to um, constrain it only with bottom sheets. So depending on the screen size, it is responsive. Yeah, I, I did see that, right? I saw that in your 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 one of your demos right when you have a like you said desktop app it's really like a modal and then yeah. if you make the screen uh, more narrow then it turns to a bottom sheet yeah but what is a uh, model in this sense is that both bottom sheet and dialogue they are models because they are uh, blocking the interaction with the uh, root behind them so the model type can be bottom sheet dialogue or a side sheet we are currently not supporting the side sheet, only it is transitioning between uh, bottom sheet to dialogue depending on the screen size constraints. Now, when do you plan to actually have the side sheet? And what is a side sheet? So it's just something that comes out of the side, right? Yeah, it is actually a material design UI component. You can go to material website and you can see a side sheet. I may just do that. Yeah. Okay. Do, I mean, do you have a, an actual demo that we could see or no? Uh, for yeah, actually, it's also if you go to PubDev uh, for the model, you can see it. But I can also show it from my slides. I can share my screen. So as you can see here, bottom uh, sheet transitions to dialogue uh, when the screen gets smaller in a desktop app. Mm -hmm. And this is the of only one of the features that has uh, this this model uh, UI component supports. There are more features. So, for example, uh, if we go, it's multi-page. Uh, this depends on the use case, and it's not very common component. And when this is not done uh, well from design point, it might be really uh, difficult for user to engage because when you change between the pages of the model it can jump quickly. And then now what we have is, uh, thanks to Masha, uh, we have this smooth motion, pagination motion between uh, pages, which Masha can explain better up than me. And then we support built-in scrollable. If the content in the uh, model is larger than its height, it uh, automatically uh, scrolls, you can scroll. And uh, the pages in this, uh, model can be dynamically set depending on the user. Uh, it supports both imperative and declarative navigation, meaning that, for example, in Flutter SDK, when you use show model sheet, you are imperati imperatively uh, adding a new route to the navigator widget. But uh, you can also uh, manage your navigation stack declaratively. And as you can see in the screen, uh, we change the uh, bottom sheet pages using the web uh, address bar of the browser. So this is only possible with Navigator 2. And finally, we support this motion design, page scrolling, and uh, yeah, pagination. OK. I mean, where did the, uh, the idea for, for this come from? I think um, 
the main idea of why we decided to do the pagination is that you know, when you think of the user and the user experience, when they want to stay within a flow, it's much better to stay within one model and not switch between different models, especially when they go back and forth. Um, so we decided to keep the flow in the same, like, um, how do you say, envelope, so to say, and uh, try to make it smooth within versus dismissing one and opening another, even though they are the same sub steps of the main flow. So that's why we decided to go with this, uh, in, in, from the motion perspective, we decided to go with this flow. There must be more than one way to solve this problem, right? So how come the, the idea of combining the modal and the, the sheet came together though? Like, like was, there, was this actually somebody else previously did this in the past and you drew from that? Or was it something that was just totally brand new that you just kind of came up with as you were kind of trying to figure out how to solve this problem? So the bottom sheet is widely used and I think it might be depending on the function of the task of what you want to do. Um, so if, uh, if, if it's a big flow, it's a main task, uh, within the user flow, maybe bottom sheet wouldn't be the most perfect candidate to use. But if it's um, a small task, for example, in our case, it was something that if you start picking items and you say, oh, the user, uh, you know, this person wants two, um, you know, loaves of bread, but we only have one, then you can either say that if they prefer substitution, then you go to the substitution and start selecting from them. Or you might say only one, and then the user will get refined for another. So that that picking flow was kind of a subflow of of selecting the main flow components. That's why um, the bottom sheet is used. But I, it always depends on the I think on the UX of the whole journey of the user. Uh, if if it's something way more significant, for example, um, you know, in the consumer app. Uh, when you open the venue, we think that it's a very significant uh, flow, and that's why it's still we still use the you know the full screen, um, and then you start scrolling with the venue. It's not the bottom sheet, but when you open the items within the venue, it's there's not that much you can do with that. You can add it, or you can you know select some different options and then dismiss it. So we decided to go with the bottom sheet there because that subflow wasn't so um, like big in a way. I mean, the, the, main, the main thing I have some thoughts about is that a modal, a sheet, they are very much like a one, I mean, I don't know how to best say this. I almost want to say like a one-time use, right? They ask you yes or no, or you know, it's always a typical. You're going to close this window. Do you want to save your work? It's it's a one use situation, but instead you you're using it as it could be a journey, right? I mean, it's very simple. I think the in the presentation there's the uh, can you confirm we're going to come deliver this thing at this time? You can say okay, I confirm, or no, not good. I want to choose a different time. And that makes sense because that's a typical flow, right? If it's not okay, then when is okay? But usually that would be a page navigation instead of a, okay, let's kind of keep in this flow, right? I still feel a little bit strange when I think about it. Yeah. The idea is that you still want to be connected to the main flow. Your main flow is accepting order. 
you can either say yes, no, and then close your bottom sheet. And then there is a more complex, uh, there's more complex alternative flow, which you can either choose between predefined times, times or you can use a uh, custom time. This is why we don't really want to uh, bother the user with all the information in one place if they don't need it. And in many cases, they will just confirm it. But in some cases, they will need to arrange the time, adjust the time, and then we want to take them in a bigger screen, so in a bigger sheet, so that they can uh, choose their time, but still uh, with the relevant content only. And then when they do their job, they are still back to the main flow, which is accepting the order. Okay, that, that definitely makes sense. And, and like I said, you, you don't want to go on too far, right? You just want to kind of keep in the same context, as like I said, yes. you can call it. This is very important exactly. rule. Uh, yeah. yeah. Masha can uh, tell better because she is mainly studying about this human perception from design. Uh, maybe, Masha, you can tell better, yeah. So what Shatai was, uh, was saying is that it's very important that this model, a bottom sheet, it's something that we need to be aware that you can easily dismiss it by clicking outside of it. So we shouldn't place a very much big significant flow within that um, because people can just, you know, by mistake dismiss it and uh, their changes would be unsafe. Um, so that's why, for example, Shutai was mentioning that uh, it's only used for small moments like accepting orders or changing the time when you how much it takes you to prepare that uh, that particular order um, but if it would be a flow of maybe 10-15 steps we would reconsider of using the uh, the model itself uh, just to do due to the fact that it, it might be uh, people can just close it by mistake and then they have to go back and start it again you know going through this uh, 10 different steps you're talking about the router before, right? That actually interacts, right? Using the routing solution. Is that to a particular router or all kinds of routers this can work? Uh, you mean uh, from navigation point, Flutter navigation point? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, Flutter bottom sheets that is coming with the SDK, it is called like using shove model bottom sheet. It's a static method. And I think it's a top level uh, function. So inside this function, if you go inside to the API, you will see that there is a call to navigator.push when you call this method. And this is imperative navigation, which is we can call even like uh, navigator 1.0. There is nothing like navigator 1.0, but when I say navigator 2.0, which is declarative. So in that case, we don't do imperative calls like show this, uh, push this route or pop this route. Instead, uh, depending on the app state, the model can be visible or not. And this works with the router API, this Navigator 2. That's why this uh, open source library comes with two solutions. You can either call what model sheet.show or you can use the custom route that is offered by this library inside your router delegate with Navigator 2. Navigator 2 is a very complex topic. But I, it's my favorite topic. I mean, it, it's definitely complex, and it's something I wanted to get more into someday. I would love to have a whole Navigator 2.0 kind of discussion. 
but uh, most of the people I find that talk about it don't really want to talk about it because they talk about it too much. <laughs> this is what I usually hear. Yeah. But um, I, I would kind of also like to go back into the design because that's something that I think that we never really talk too much about uh, as as Flutter developers, right? Uh, and we were kind of talking a little bit before. So it it is is your name pronounced Maria or no? Because it's written as Maria. That's what I always see. Is it is it pronounced as Marsha? Is that what it, it is? Yeah. It's Maria. Okay, maybe. Oh, Marsha is a nickname. Oh, that's, <laughs> sorry. That's because I'm like, did I get the wrong name somewhere or what? Or okay, you're talking sorry. about? Oh no no. All all both both are good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Maria or Marsha, your your title on here yeah. is staff motion designer, right? And as we were talking about before, when it comes mm -hmm. to delivering stuff, I'm always thinking, you know, do we, I mean, it's not really like a motion kind of thing, right? It, I mean, sure, we're moving things around, but what exactly are you doing every day, right? Because obviously, you're thinking about motion pictures, animation, that would be motion design from what I understand. Maybe you can yeah. help to understand, like, what are you actually doing yeah. at Walt and how are you involved so much with this? Uh, sheet that we we need to have you on the show, right? Can we talk more about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think I think the the biggest confusion comes from the word motion, as you as you mentioned that you think when you think of motion, you think of animation and traditional motion graphics. Uh, you know, sometimes I, once my parents even asked me like, "Are you doing uh, you know the Disney animation?" And I was like, "No, no, no, it's completely different." Um, in, even though it has the roots in the traditional motion graphics and traditional animation, it already carved its own space as a discipline of, you can call it UX motion design. So, so it's not those small animations that you can think of, even though they are part of my work, but it's mostly all the behavior and flows that the user experience when they go through the, the application. So they have a flow, they need, they have a goal. Uh, let's say they want to buy a ticket or they want to order a food or they want to, uh, you know, uh, book a cleaning service. So from, from the point of them opening the app, uh, signing up, or going through onboarding or even starting to book, you experience the application through, you know, some motion. So this, the static screens, they kind of, you know, slide if you click something, interacts with you. Um, there's a feedback on uh, on as a system. It tells you, to, gives you the feedback also if, for example, something has been acknowledged or not. So everything, like the whole interaction of the system with the user, goes through motion. So all the transitions and animations there. This is how the user understands that okay, this is something like the change has happened. And if we would just use instant screens. Uh, that wouldn't be very um, comfortable for the user. So it's, it, you know, because in real life, we don't experience uh, everything just happening out of the blue in a split second. You know, people think, oh, it's magic or something is just like weird. So so they have the same perception of, uh, of actually expectations when they're using any digital product. And that's why motion is very important uh, when you design something and build something uh, as a you know as a digital product. 
I mean, when I'm thinking about that, that sounds like like a UX kind of thing, no? Is motion and UX they're, they're exactly in this exactly they are okay. It is. I'm I'm actually saying that motion in the in the product uh, design motion is more UX than UI. So it's more of why not you know how frivolous the animation is um, because you the the, the biggest um, role of motion is also to guide the user so you know our users don't really notice that motion so motion is noticed only when we want it to be noticed um, for example if you have something if they haven't filled an input field then there is something that then we try them to notice with motion, you know, we may, might shake something, uh, put some like alert and try to attract the attention. But in normal scenario, motion is a very invisible, so to say, component of the whole interaction. Um, and sometimes, you know, when, when we go through the screens with designers, I am UX motion designer, we also have product designers. Um, uh, we, we go through the screens, we try to envision the flows and we try to understand what kind of motion we need to put and sometimes it's like you know you might even have this guide less is more so sometimes we think oh is it too much is it too much motion that can distract the user from the goal uh, and sometimes we don't use motion at all we don't animate stuff maybe it can happen very fast uh, but there's few conventions of where we should use it and where maybe it's fine just to use a very minimum and very like you know, uh, brief animation, for example. Now, when you're saying brief animation, what would be an example of a brief animation? Yeah. For example, let's say, um, you know, on the web, you have a button that you hover or you click. So in order to it to be clicked, it's actually very quick. Uh, the timing of the click button is 100, 150 milliseconds, because we don't want to put any attention to it to be clicked. We only want to indicate when you hover on it that it can be clicked. So it, it's just affordance. And then when you click, we want to indicate that you clicked it. But we didn't, like, we don't apply, like, a wow, bouncing, scaling, uh, you know, explosion, confetti out of the button just because it's clicked. We could apply it if it's maybe the end of the flow, let's say of the uh, sign-up flow, and we say, congrats, now you are a member. So if we want to apply some kind of feeling of uh, you know achievement that you have ended this flow, we could maybe add some animation. But if it's a button within like, you know, a casual flow, you have to also think that user experiences uh, the flow 10, 20 times. They click on the same button 20 times if it will make them wait by having some frivolous animation, they would be more prone to be, um, not to be happy about it. So that would be one example. I can add something from Flutter Point or application developer uh, point, because before joining Vault, I never worked with a motion designer and I'm feeling very lucky to work with Masha. And I, when you invited me to this uh, show, I said that, okay, Masha should be here as well. Uh, why? Because uh, motion is usually considered just some small animations, but it has broader impact. Uh, impact, And it really contributes to user experience, also to the brand. 
So uh, we had many cases that we had uh, interviews uh, with candidates when we are hiring. They said, I use your app, your uh, experience, user experience is great. And what makes them say this is that all these small things, these small uh, animations, that motions, that helps you, that guides you to understand what you are doing. It's like kind of a helping to um, recognition. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, I never really thought that you could use motion to kind of push people into different ways that you want to go. But to me, it, it, the motion and the animation is, is, is uh, something to make it look nice. But that's not true, right? You could actually use that yeah. to push people to certain places and have them no. you know, move along. No, am I misunderstanding? No, no, you're right. You know how I call motion. I call it as a helping hand. So that helps the, the guide the user through the application. Mm. So that's, that's like the part of motion that people don't usually notice. People notice our animations, they notice our tapping game, they notice all micro interactions. Um, but the, the biggest part of my work is actually creating a lot of behaviors of the strings and flows that are not noticeable. And that's their main goal. They guide you, they help you to get from one screen to another with a minimum uh, cognitive effort with, you know, as uh, frictionless flow as possible. Um, and that's, that's kind of what, what I do that probably people don't recognize in the very beginning if they're not familiar with uh, the discipline. And the discipline is very, very new. Um, I would say that there's uh, like not that many people that actually have uh, a specialized in that. Um, not, not to say that no one knows how to do it. If uh, I mean, usually product designers do that or actually software engineers do that. Um, but I think now motion becomes a bit more significant to have its, to have its own place, uh, you know, at the table with all different uh, people who contribute to the same application, for example. Now, do you mind to kind of walk through the motions that guide people when using the uh, model sheet? Uh, I can ask you one question, Ellen. We can go from that. For example, when we are <laughs> switching between the pages, when you go to the next page, it comes from right to the left, but it can also come from left to the right. Which one would you choose and why? Have you ever thought about it? I, I don't think at all, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. So it's like uh, from real life. And when Masha plans those things, she thinks about real life. Because when you are reading a book, book has multiple pages, right? When you yeah. go, to, go to the next page, you use your finger, you swipe from right to left. And it tells the user, okay, you are going to the next page. And if you press another button, and if it goes to the previous page, then it should come from left to the right, because this is nature, right? When you're reading a book, you would write, mm. use left to right. And also from scrollables, when scrolling, uh, my maybe Masha can tell this scrolling part. <laughs> I took some role from his. <laughs> I stole. I think it's a very good example you gave. Yeah. So the whole the whole concept of the bottom sheet. So you know you think of the bottom sheet. So it comes from the bottom. You know, and then for example, when you close it, it goes back to to the bottom. So it slides down. 
so when it's open and there's more content within that you can scroll, it's, you know, it's also kind of natural. I think a lot of this logical thinking and, you know, the UX part of the whole experience is uh, people delaying to their real life. Uh, as Shatai mentioned about reading a book and going to the next page, uh, we take a lot of uh, we, we take a lot of those impressions from the real life and we project them to using the application. So when you scroll long content, you basically just move it upwards. So you start scrolling and the more content will reveal itself. But for example, the button is always sticky because the button exists on kind of a different layer. So the button is on layer plus one on top of the layer as a sticky element. And we don't, we always want to, to have this button always visible. So of course, when we scroll, the button always stays there and then the whole content scrolls. I also would like to mention that the top bar gets visible when you scroll. And the top bar comes from top to down while you scroll from bottom to top. You know, you use your finger from bottom and to top and the top, when you push something up, another thing comes from down. So this is also very natural. And, and I think also in your presentation, you, you talk about the scrolling, right? There's a bounce. Is that right? I could, I could, I could have sworn. And when I, I went through the, uh, the Google presentation and the Google slides, and I could have sworn in one of the pages you talk about the the bounce when you when you scroll down and you're kind of like already at the bottom. Maria, are you okay? You look shocked. Or am I just not seeing clearly? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, it's it's called this kind of a stretchy effect. Oh, the stretch, yeah. So it's it's, it's kind of it also moves, right because you yeah. pull it down and it bounces back. Yeah. 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 So this way we indicate that it's you reach the end of the content, but uh, we don't want, you know, when you keep on scrolling down, uh, if it would stop abruptly, it would uh, feel that it just, you know, I think um, it just gives you a bit of this feeling that you stopped like to the dead end and that's it. So it's like almost like hitting your head to, to the wall. Uh, so by, by having this stretchy uh, effect at the end, we show that, okay, now you reach the end. So people can still try, attempt, you know, scrolling down, uh, but we kind of don't give them the, we, we show that, okay, you're trying to scroll down, we respond to your gesture, but there's nothing there. So that's why we, you know, we goes back to, to the end of the content. And that's where the system is more of a, like, I, I acknowledge you're trying to do something, um, but you know, there's nothing else there. We're so used to this already with so many things in Flutter, right? Yeah, but that is this scroll effect. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, is that's probably the right way to call it. Is that the right way to call it stretch? Is that how that actually you would call that? I think this stretch comes by default with Android 13, that yeah. when you uh, scroll, it stretches. It's coming from the operating system. I think this is already uh, added in uh, Flutter by default, but you can change probably that. But there's slight differences between iOS and Android, right? When it comes yes. to stretching. And yep, you can, uh, I think, set this in Flutter 
giving some parameters. I'd like to go back a little bit more to the, the model sheet, right? Because I can imagine there may be some mm, creative person, I guess I could say, that may use this for more than what they should, right? I mean, if you can have many, many steps in your modal sheet, but they're not really as closely related as they should be, like, is, do you have some, some guidelines on when people should use this and when they should not? I'm guessing Maria would probably be the, the expert in this one. I think we should die. We, we did put some, um, some cautions, cautions, you know, like checklist. Yes. When to use it. Um, but I don't think that we placed of when it is not to use it. Um, so something that I can, you know, from the top of my mind is, uh, when, when it's a small flow, it's a few, few, uh, steps flow and it might vary from one to three steps or something. And this is a flow that, you know, that all these pages within the flow, they are connected to each other with some logical meaning. Uh, I think it's fine to use it, but if it's a flow that a, it, the, the content is not connected at all to each other. Uh, yeah. B, when the flow has a very big significance, um, or C, if there's so many steps within the flow that the user might accidentally dismiss it by tapping outside of the model or some shit, uh, maybe in those places you should try to find some other ways. Some other, like uh, either it would be like a full screen, or it would be like a stacked uh, screen that comes from the right. So some some other solutions would be preferable to use. Uh, Ellen, uh, I would like to share my screen again uh, because this is very good or bad example about how not to shoot, how not to use bottom sheets. Uh, Strava users, when they are working with the roots, they will understand what I mean. So this is the bottom sheet that comes when you are uh, showing it. So I press here, save roots. If something is happening, but how do I go back here, for example? What is happening is that you lose the navigation control. But in our model sheet, our navigation control is always sticky, always there. You can go back. Uh, Ellen, can you imagine how you go back from here? You can press this you, X, you right? Pull, you pull, yeah, press the X or maybe pull. But then pressing X should the close the bottom sheet, right? But it is not closing the bottom sheet. Something else is happening here, right? And now I go to roots. Okay, something is happening here. Okay, now with so much information in here, it even suggests me start your free trial, but it gives me a popular roots nearby. Like, I don't know, and draw your own route or something. Now it's going to something totally different screen. Like unlock this. And uh, if you go to segments here, uh, what what is it? I'm lost in here. I press this one. I don't know what is happening in here. Oh, now there is more content. So I should maybe do this. Uh, and then again, like trying to like any surface or something. There is one something else is popping on top of the bottom sheet, right? In our case, we don't show two model sheets on top of each other. We, we go to the next screen in here and I do this, it is gone. Okay, now I'm lost again. What can I do in here? We always have these navigation controls in place and they are simple. Do you understand how not to use <laughs> uh, model sheets? 
And yeah. here we have a checklist actually in my presentation. Uh, maybe I can show it as well. Sure. Uh, yeah. This is what how I presented this in uh, in Fluttercon. So in our design checklist, okay, think this about like our gu guidelines because at Vault we use this component heavily in our uh, consumer apps, in our merchant apps, in courier apps. They are implemented in React Native, native iOS, Android, and also in Flutter. But based on the guideline that is shared commonly according to Vault design, there is also a design for models in Cupertino, also for Material. And uh, in our guidelines, we have some rules. For example, you should handle the scroll use case, uh, but natural, like it should be uh, very natural that you make it scrollable by default. As a user, you shouldn't be worried about it. The component provides you the built-in scrollability. And then also, for example, imagine I showed you this Strava uh, model sheet, right? There were four tabs and each tabs, they were doing different things. They were opening a totally big screen, different screen. But when we have tabs in one model sheet page, we keep the height fixed because we don't want the user to be distracted by the height changes. Although the content is short enough, it should be, uh, for example, it can be forced to max height so that when you switch between the tabs, they stay at the same height. When you're in the same page, you're not distracted with the content's height. Uh, another thing is that seamless navigation. When I showed you this example with Strava, user was lost what to do. So we make sure that the navigation actions are sticky. We have sticky action bar in the bottom, and then we have navigation bars, uh, close and back buttons in the top. So you should, user should always be knowing that, know that what, how can I go, what, what should be my next action. And also another thing is that design for different screen sizes. We should provide that because in large screen, in huge screens, showing a bottom sheet is bad. You can overcome with this too. You have two alternatives. One is that you can narrow the width of the bottom sheet, which is still not very common, or you can use a dialog. In our case, we chose to go to dialog from bottom sheet to dialog, but it is very easy to go to side sheet if we really want. And last thing is that we should not overwhelm the user with complex tasks. Again, with Strava's roots bottom sheet, there were so much information, so many actions, uh, it is really tiring for the user. Yeah, that's that's our guidelines. Maybe we should make them public. Yes. Maria likes that idea a lot. I I, I think it's 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 good uh, because too many times we talk about like things that you can do, but not really much about things that you shouldn't do. Exactly. And yeah. sometimes that can be even more important about yeah. what you shouldn't do. I mean, Maria, you can probably say more than I can about this, but that's what. Welcome to Maria's to world. Yeah. When we have this uh, bottom sheet public in our GitHub, there are already some issues and requests that can you add this? Can you do this as well? So there will be more of this over the time because I believe that this library is going to be very common because it solves a real life problem. I think it is a really big problem that I wanted to high, uh, open source this. There were many people asking for this solution. Hopefully this will answer them. And uh, as this library gets more popular, there will be some requests which might be uh, not really uh, good to have 
like from design point. So we need to be really careful about what this uh, library can do and should do. Well, we got Maria back, so hopefully she's doing good. I covered you. Um, <laughs> you filled in for you Thank while, you. while you, you're reconnecting. Okay, so I was just saying that there's so many ways of how you can display information or display content. And depending on what, what your application does and how the user goes through the flow, uh, I think it's you need to think carefully of which elements you use to, to, to show it. So whether it's going to be a full screen page, whether it's going to be a bottom sheet or a model or a side panel, uh, it's more about the why, why we need to show it this way and how we also show it systematically. So we reserve bottom sheets for some certain actions in our products. And uh, if, for example, the, we create a new flow with a new feature, we think, okay, the user already thinks that the items open with the bottom sheet. So we will op always open items with the bottom sheets. Um, so I think the logical approach of how to show the content and the systematic approach of showing this content throughout the whole user journey is important. Yeah, I agree with that. And on top of that, I would like to add that we still have really good enough customizability so that companies use or products using this uh, model sheet can uh, customize it according to their brand system. We are not there yet. We just release it, but we will have, for example, theme extensions. Uh, if the user wants, we can have uh, flat borders, for example. And currently, we only support rounded borders. And also, we don't provide uh, theming. For example, the elevation color for the top bar is hard-coded. But in the next releases, we will provide just enough customizability that doesn't conflict with the design guidelines. Oh, that's good. So, so you have you that that kind of brings me on to my kind of final thoughts and questions. Is it's kind of interesting. You you don't have one dot oh, you don't have zero dot one. You have zero 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 four, right? Yes. So, so what's what's in the pipeline coming up, and is there going to be a one point oh coming out at some point? Yeah, this is a story actually going back to two years ago when I first joined Vault. I was an Android developer, and uh, at Vault, this kind of work is really important. Motion is really important. I spent three weeks just to uh, animate correctly two tags. <laughs> and uh, I work, I started working with Masha. She's laughing now. <laughs> I, many other developers will be really annoyed. This is just freaking two chips. Why are we spending three weeks when they are and how they are getting visible to user? But once it is there for two years, same Android users are using the chips that I built. And there were so many alternative use cases. I remember Masha was talking to someone else and that person said, well, Chatai did it, I wouldn't do it. I just want to do it because I respect Masha. In my eyes, she's an artist and she wants to do her best. And as a developer, my responsibility is to help her deliver his work because I'm the one who is going to make it visible to the users. And uh, for these two years, we had we started with very simple cases. And then as we expanded, as we added more features, we realized that, okay, Flutter is evolving as well. We need to support more cases. And that's why we, uh, we didn't release it two years ago. 
in these two years, we learned how to use this uh, library externally and then how, it how its API should look like. Uh, and it has been just two or three weeks that it is out. It is not 1.0 yet because there will be breaking changes because currently we only Vault is the user of it. But now we have uh, battle, we are battle testing our component. We are receiving issues. For example, I will just give you one very simple uh, example. So we have this motion animation. As you scroll, the top bar gets visible, but you scroll vertically. But there was one user of this library who had a component in this page. The user was scrolling horizontally and top bar was still getting visible. So we never had a case that we were, we had a com component that uh, it was scrolling horizontally and it was showing uh, this top bar. So what we did, we had a bug fix. We only show this when you vertically scroll it. What I mean is that there will be breaking changes until we feel comfortable with 1.0 that, okay, uh, this is good enough. And uh, what are the possible things as an improvement? As I mentioned before, might, there might be side sheets that is coming from the right in large screens because currently it is very customizable. Users of this library can say at what screen constraints, what, con what uh, type of model should be shown. If it is, for example, smaller than a breakpoint, then a bottom sheet visible, larger than breakpoint, it is dialogue. And if it is really large, like ultra wide screen, maybe we should just show side screen, uh, side uh, sheet. So one thing. Another is that we don't have in our app now dark team and light team. Uh, that's why some values are hard coded, but we will add team extensions for that. And also, there are many things that you can do with this sliver logic, uh, sliver magic, I would say. Uh, we will add more uh, functionality that supports uh, many different uh, magic that you can do with slivers. So yeah, adding more extra things while we get feedback. So what I would suggest is that create issues. We will have our roadmap. This library can answer to your uh, use case, hopefully. Okay. That's that's pretty clear. And, and it's interesting to hear about the, kind of the history and where you're going with it. Yeah. Uh, in the history, as I said, like uh, I feel very lucky to work with a motion designer. And it is not easy uh, for motion designer as well, because the motion designer should convince people that you are going to spend three weeks on this and it is needed. And Masha, can you maybe explain how you are convincing us? It's true. I think, uh, you know, it's what I said that my work is always a concept and a preview until it's coded. So I, my work never sees the light of day unless someone from engineers decide to spend their time and write some code for it. And for which I'm incredibly grateful because this I can purely say that it's not just, you know, a concept I designed, but it's actually done a fully working product. Um, and I, you know, I, I believe that it's, it's quite a challenge to convince uh, uh, some stakeholders in terms of how much time we need to spend on it versus how much return of investment it brings. Um, but um, there are few few areas where I would be very firmly pressing on creating a very polished and custom motion if it's needed. Um, the, the, the biggest case would be 
you need to pick a flow that your user is using every day in your application. And that flow needs to be flawless. It no matter from motion, design, everything, the whole experience needs to be flawless because they're using it every day, uh, multiple times. And if something is broken there and it gives twitch every time they're using, there's a much bigger chance that they will abandon it. And for some reason, motion is also considered to be used only for consumer products like our consumer app. Um, I believe that, uh, you know, for the business products, it's also very important in this case because people are in a way forced to use it. You know, they work at the company and the company decides to go with this product. So imagine if you if you can't switch, if you don't like Vault, you can, you know, install some other application and get your food delivered as a consumer. But if you're working and this is your daily job and you have to do it for eight hours and something just triggers, you know, your uh, nerves by just something that doesn't work, uh, I think it's even worse. And just probably those people are not very uh, visible because they don't usually share the much feedback of the product. Um, yeah, um, maybe another consideration is at least at Vault, um, ever since I joined, um, so what has been already a fully fledged company for several years uh, before I joined, that came from the founders. So the founders believed in the experience in, in different areas of experience. So we, we have this um, uh, award say, like we say that it's world great. Uh, it's very interesting because no one exactly knows what world great means, but I can give you some examples. Uh, you know, uh, if you use our application, uh, everything works so smoothly. And then, for example, if something happens with your food, you contact the customer support and customer support actually responds. And we have been praised for great customer support uh, in our company. So we try to reach it as fast as possible and not just dismiss the user you know, giving them some extra credits or something. Um, you know, our, our courier partners, we also try to treat them the best way, even though they are freelancers. And uh, the same goes for our business products. So whether it would be a merchant app or we have our own world market applications, we try to deliver the best experience. And um, maybe motion-wise, it kind of varies, of course, uh, case by case, uh, product by product, uh, but we try to strive everywhere, um, you know, for some fundamentals that should work everywhere, no matter what the product is. I also would like to add that food delivery in general, delivery is a very competitive business and you need to shine among competitors and motion and this customer experience is one of the things that you're can put your brand identity with these small things. So that's why we have the Molt, sorry, the Walt model sheet, right? Not just the model sheet. Yeah, it's the model sheet. It's Walt model sheet. It is not only because of that. The story, yeah, we could have kept this internally because uh, it is very designed for Walt. It's a we call it like Walt grade quality design, but. Uh, why we wanted to open source it is a really uh, different story as well because um, 
my title at Vault is a competence lead. I'm not a Flutter developer. Well, I'm developing Flutter app as well, but uh, Flutter competence lead is a uh, larger than that. Uh, I have three responsibilities as competence lead. One is that uh, internal uh, activity, so that we have internal community in the company that they know Flutter is ready to use when needed. When needed, uh, people can access to these uh, learnings tools. Uh, and also documentation how to use Flutter at Vault. We define some standards among new developers because we are a scaling company. It's hyper growth, but at the same time, Flutter in the company is scaling from two users to nine users, 10 users. It will be more, there will be more projects maybe. So we need to be, I'm, my role is that making sure that internally we are ready for that. We are at the high level. And another uh, role for competence lead is that making sure that we have great technical interview assessments so that we can hire best developers. And finally, uh, external activities. We need to show to the world what we are proud of. So this library, this component works very well in our project. It solves real life problems and we are proud to share this. We believe that we did this right and with the uh, battle testing in the community, it can be better. And uh, why we want to do this again is that also attracting uh, senior developers that can contribute to, can contribute to our project as well, because uh, we started hiring like uh, much long ago, uh, and then we had many applications, but still we couldn't find what we are exactly looking for, because what we were looking for is that we need to have people long years of experience with Flutter. But at the same time, uh, developing a software. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that Flutter doesn't have this long history. So it is hard to find people that has long uh, software development history and then good Flutter knowledge. It is either people with long uh, development experience with native or other software uh, language uh, frameworks, and then they started learning Flutter. And there is another uh, kind of developer profile that there are uh, many Flutter developers, but they don't have real life experience in scaling companies. So it is hard to find a combined, like very good solid Flutter knowledge that can challenge our internal developers that can put us to a better place. Uh, at the same time uh, knows how to work in a scaling company. Working in a scaling company is a totally different story. And this kind of activities makes you externally visible. So we start talking in the conferences. We contribute to the community by hosting meetup events in, the, in Berlin, in Helsinki, in our offices. Also, we share two open source libraries that we believe with a really good great quality and that can give sign to the use, uh, developers who are looking for jobs that, yeah, Vault is very uh, great place to work with. We solve real life problems here and uh, you can have great career here because I learned that if you want to attract senior developers as a company, you should uh, contribute to the conferences by sponsoring them or uh, host meetup events and uh, you should show you should contribute to open source software uh, if you give me if i can ask you can you give me two companies that is very very known for flutter what what comes to your first your mind if i ask you 
uh, I think Very Good Ventures comes up. Yeah. And then next? Um, I have to think Shoreberg, I suppose. Yeah, Shoreberg and Invertes. Yeah, that makes these, uh, for example, Remy works there, like makes provider and very good venture knows block library, you know, they, are, they have many open source projects. You know these companies, but you don't know about how they work, right? But you know that if they are a good company because they are proud to show their open source projects. And this is why we want to show to the world that this is world great quality. We uh, work with great talented artists here like Masha and uh, we deliver uh, quality stuff. Yeah, and we actually just today, we had, a, for example, call uh, with a candidate. He said that he applied because he saw our open source project. So this is how you can get the top talent and then a hub, like a flutter hub in the market. Oh, yeah, that's... Yes. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. I agree. So I agree. I was just thinking that it's, you know, if you're proud of what you do and of the product of your build, I think that it attracts people also and talented people get attracted because you want to be proud of your work. You know, you spend a lot of time doing that. And uh, I think this sense of achievement and uh, just feeling that, you know, we're building something really good. Uh, um, kind of, you know, brings a lot of people to our company. Yeah, and we are using company times for open source project. The company is sponsoring indirectly, but actually the publisher name in PubDev is vault.com anyway. But uh, the idea is that it should, if we are open sourcing, it should be something that we are already using and we see the benefit and we are ready to show it to the world. So we just don't open source, like for example, fragment shaders and some other crazy stuff. You can do many crazy stuff with Flutter, but we are really solving here real life problems and we want to show to the world how we solve them. So does this mean that we're gonna see more and more packages from Walt's side? Yes, uh, this is beginning. Uh, actually, this is the second open source package. The first one was that Walt responsive layout. We shared this package once we solved our problem. We needed to have Flutter working with tablets, with large screens, and we needed to have a responsive design, and we shared it. And then another problem we tackled was that how to show the bottom sheets in large screens. So we have been working with more, uh, bottom sheets for mobile phones, and we were developing it, we were making it better, added, adding multi-patch uh, support, this motion animation, everything. But one big problem is that how would it work in large screens? Once we saw that as well, and we believe that it is in world great quality to share with the world, then we released it. And there are other projects that will come, but first we want to take it slow because open sourcing is a business, uh, uh, sorry, open sourcing is a serious stuff. Uh, there will be many companies uh, relying on your um, package. So if I put my name there, like Chatai Ulusoy as a package owner, I would feel more comfortable. But if we put their vault.com, then I'm representing my company and company is paying for me for these uh, things, for activities. So it should, we should be very careful for that. And once we learn how to maintain, because uh, publishing a package is never only about publishing a code. You need to know how 
you can make space for external contribution. So you need to have four contribution guidelines. You need to have a template for PRs. So if you want to contribute, you should do it this way. And also a discussion, a place for discussion. And also you need to be transparent about your um, roadmap. So it is more than just writing a code and sharing it. If I had my own personal side projects, I would be much more comfortable sharing it. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. There definitely is a lot to open sourcing things, like you said, besides just putting your code up online, right? Standing behind it, supporting it. It takes a lot of time and effort. And currently we are learning how to tackle that. But also at the same time, seeing your name as a contributor is a great uh, feeling. And uh, we also shared a blog post, Masha uh, Maria <laughs> uh, wrote a great blog post about how we did it. But we also have our developers, internal developers who are contributing to the code, external developers as well. So it gives a space for you to grow in the company as well. Um, because when you are evaluated, your performance is evaluated, you're not only evaluated for your daily tasks, how, your de how you deliver it. If, you're gonna, if you want to go forward, you should do more impact. And we are just opening a space for our internal developers as well to create this impact. Uh, I became a Google developer expert after sharing a lot of uh, knowledge in, with the community, uh, giving talks. I joined your podcast before. So it helped me to be recognized as a Google developer expert. And now as my, my role as Flutter Competence Lead is opening this, creating this opportunity for our internal developers as well. For this, the, uh, the model sheet. Uh, I understand the long-term vision, right? You still want to test out, you want to get more feedback, but is there some, is there any immediate like features that will be added in? Cause you keep talking about, I think, I guess one could be that, that side sheet. Is that actually going to for sure come on or what else is like kind of coming up pretty soon? Yeah. If I put the name there as a publisher, vault.com, it should be uh, everyone involved in this process. Uh, Masha and we have Scott, our designer, product designer, uh, they put their vision to this product. So I cannot just take that, okay, I, I changed this design. I'm now adding a side sheet. It's very simple to do that. But we need to again uh, present it with world grade quality. But so side sheet will come later probably. But the most urgent thing is that having team extensions so that companies can put their own brand and customize it uh, and then present it to the user. For example, if the users can, uh, if the users use this with dark theme, the elevation color is hard coded and it looks really bad. <laughs> Uh, not to be able to op uh, optimize it. Also, if you don't have rounded widgets in your product, we hard coded these bottom sheets uh, with rounded, dialogue is rounded. So we need to be able to make it customizable. Also, uh, there are some, some other things to, but the priority is that first making it sure that people can put their own brand to the product. Other thing is that uh, side sheet and final thing is that they can still apply more sliver le uh, magic you know what uh, you know what I mean by slivers right with mm -hmm. uh, scrolling yeah so with slivers you can do really crazy stuff but currently we have our own embedded sliver solution we need to make it more customizable now 
every time you're going to add in one of these features, do you need to talk with somebody like Maria to, to kind of make sure that the motion is correct? If motion is correct, yeah, I need to talk to Maria. But from design point, because Maria is more a motion designer, right, Maria? So I need to yes. ask from our uh, product designer uh, that if I add a side sheet, how should it look like the by default? And then users can customize it. Is there anything else that we should really know about about the uh, the model sheet before we, we head off? Nothing that comes to my mind. I just want to uh, say that uh, very uh, grateful to our designers during this because I really pushed hard to make this happen. And Masha was uh, catching up with me. Like she was really, she's very busy because we don't have many motion designers at Vault and Masha is like mm. answering all the teams. <laughs> and it's hard to get Masha not busy. So I just want mm -hmm. to thank in front of all the audience, Masha wants more time. I, I think in response, I would say that it's also thanks to engineers who actually want to spend their time and implement these crazy things that we design with designers. Because um, otherwise, I mean, it would be just a Figma, you know, uh, frame with some previews and that's it. Yeah. So I think it's a perfect symbiosis in our case. Everyone mm -hmm. is uh, very interested and eager to, uh, to contribute to the work, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, Ellen, I just want to add one more thing. Uh, this might seem easy to have pagination animation. It is very difficult with Flutter because you have two pages and they have different heights. And during the pagination, both pages should have the same height, you know? And this is very difficult to do with Flutter because you cannot know the height of the uh, page before laying it out. But when you lay it out and get the size information, it's already full. Like it gets the height of the highest page. So there are many tricks that I applied, which can be many blog posts. For example, I used off-state widgets, off-stage widgets. Also, I did uh, tree surgery. Do you know what tree surgery is? I'm not sure, but uh, it is not a very common thing in Flutter, but it is doable using global keys, keeping the state of the widgets in the next build phase. Uh, when you create the widgets. So there are so many details that took a lot of energy to implement. Also, we used very uncommon widgets for this motion, like flow widgets. It is provided by Flutter SDK. It gives you to work with uh, widgets only in the paint phase. So you're not working on the build phase, not in the layout phase, but only working with the build phase. And also we used custom multi-child layout widgets it only allows you to work with the layout phase, not only build phase or build, uh, painting phase. So these kind of details, each can be one blog post and one uh, topic to discuss. So does this mean we have more episodes to go for uh, our sessions? If you want, I'm more than willing to <laughs> go deeper in the technical details. Again, I wanted to thank you guys for coming on and uh, Thank you for being the guinea pig for this new format. And I hope that this will only get better with time. Thank you for having us.